Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening to another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks podcast, where we celebrate some of the amazing things and amazing people happening here in our school district. And we sure hope that by sharing those things, we not only inform our community about um, what we're doing in our schools, but also share some of the amazing things that you can do in schools beyond our community. And once uh, students leave the walls of our schools each day, um, to really help make the community and learning experience here stronger. So uh, our topic today is supporting language learners, non-native English speakers. Um, and so before we talk about what that looks like and get into today's uh, discussion, I'd like to invite my guests to introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Monica Del Rosario. I am an ESL teacher in Roxbury, and I teach grades five through eight. Hello, I am Melissa Davenport, and I teach sixth grade social studies at Lincoln Roosevelt. And hey, everybody, I'm Chris Zegar. I'm the assistant principal at Lincoln Roosevelt. All right, so over the last eight years that I've been here in the school district, our population has changed a little bit, um, and I think that school districts everywhere, particularly in New Jersey, are seeing uh, that change in population. The change in population includes the addition of new members of our community that bring um, a rich diversity to it that d does change the landscape of what we do in our schools and how we interact with those in our community. And so, uh, as I said before, the topic today is really how do we support non-native English speakers in our schools? What's that look like? Um, those youngsters used to be referred to as English language learners. Of course, they are learning English, uh, but they are now referred to as multi-language learners. And before we get too far, uh, as we talk about what the school district's doing, and the last thing we're going to talk about today is some, some tips and tricks, I guess. Um, if you're a parent member of the community and you're wondering, like, my child is in, um, encountering students in the school that they don't know how to communicate effectively with. They're becoming friends with those students. They play sports with them. What strategies can I do at home to also support my child's comfort as well as the other student's comfort? I think that's important. Um, and one of the things that I really want to just hammer home before we get out of the gate, because it is really critical to what we're trying to do here, is that the mission of supporting youngsters who come to our school and our community who are not native English speakers is not to impart on them the singular importance of learning English. It is to learn that a second language is a really strong, um, powerful aspect of who they will become as a young adult, as a member of our community. And we really hope that not only our language learning students, but all students see that learning a second language or multiple languages um, is a superpower. And I know Monica has said that before, so I don't want to steal your thunder. I just don't want to not have that be said. Um, the idea of learning, knowing, and being fluid in multiple language is really something incredibly special to celebrate. Um, and I think that is what we try to do here in our district. So hopefully some of what we share today will really resonate to that point. So, so go ahead. Yeah. I just want to, I want to jump in a little bit on, um, kind of re redefining, I think we have a, an idea in our head of, of what a language learner is, and that that encompasses a, a good portion of students who are language learners, and I think a lot of us think, you know, language learners of, of students who come from a different country, they start here, and, and those individuals need, you know, a huge amount of support, you know, when they come in, it's, and their families do as well. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, we have to think about what it means to take a journey where mm -hmm. you come from a, a different country, um, mm -hmm. where you are uprooted as a child, and as a family, and you come here, and maybe you do know some family members, maybe you do have a small network, maybe you don't. And the the type of things that we take for granted that we need to feel at home in a community, um, you know, a lot of those individuals do not have. Now, that is one grouping of language learners, but it's it's not the only one. I mean, you're going to have a lot of students who are in 
a school that are language learners, but they may have just a different language spoken at home and they've grown up with that language um, and language acquisition in that regard has not been the same. Maybe they are have been in the country for a couple of years, but they have not developed complete fluency in a language. So the assumption is that when you you run into a student or a family where we're looking at like language learners, they don't all have the same story and they don't have all the same needs. So the huge diversity of needs for, for each of these, just like any other uh, grouping of families that come into a community. All right. I think that's a great point. So Monica, share with us. Let's get started with you and Melissa. What's the classroom look like? What does that experience look like? Right. Um, teaching. I've said this before and I truly do mean it has probably never been a harder profession to be a part of. Um, we, you are constantly asked to do more with less and unless I specifically am referencing time. <laughs> um, the school day hasn't gotten any longer. The school year hasn't gotten any longer. Um, but we, you know, we as as an in institution and as an industry and business really are looking to teachers to do so much more than we're ever asked upon them before. So in this capacity, talk to us a little bit about what you have done professionally, what you do in your classroom to support uh, all students feeling seen, valued, heard, uh, mm. including those who may not be as familiar with the language or the cultural aspects of what it means to be a part of our community. Yeah, so it's a tough one because I think the hardest thing that I have to do when I first get them is help them to feel seen, um, heard, um, to get to know who they are, to get to know their families, to get to know where they come from, their culture, what kinds of experiences they've had, um, asking those silly get to know you questions. That's like the first initial thing. I always try and let all the other students get to know the other, the, the new student specifically, like what's your favorite color? What, where do you, and, and I do kind of like a first year, first week of school kind of thing. It doesn't matter when they come in. So establishing that culture with my students, I think is critical because you have that feeling of not feeling like you belong in a class in a country and then if they end up feeling connected to each other somehow they open up their desire to want to learn and take risks by trying to talk English even when normally that first um they say there's a silent period it's it could be two years it could be four years it could be two months but it really has a lot to do with how comfortable they feel in speaking and well I get a lot of teachers telling me in district they don't say anything. They're really quiet. Like Melissa and I were having a conversation today at lunch. Um, she doesn't say anything to me. And I'm like, oh, she told me that she can't see like in the back of the classroom. So I was like, hey, Melissa, could you just sit her up front? And she's like, wow, I didn't, she doesn't say anything to me. So it's those things that sh this student feels comfortable enough to come to me and say, Misty, I can't see. Okay, great. We'll sit you in front of the class. Mm -hmm. Now there's, I definitely have a plus. I have an advantage. I am bilingual. I do speak Spanish. So if I get a superpower, <laughs> superpower, <laughs> I am a super, I'll call myself Wonder Woman. Um, I do have the advantage to get that comfort really quickly with my kids, especially if they're from a Latin country. Um, but it's first establishing the culture. Then it's getting to know where they at. So the levels, some of these students come and they don't have any reading. They have now, they don't know how to read or write. And that's extremely difficult um, because you put something in front of them and they freeze. And that's when I get to know, you know, I, I try and give them assessments. And once you figure out what their levels are, then it's figuring out, okay, what kind of scaffolds do I bring to them? What kind of modifications do I have to give to the students so they can reach their goal for the day? And I think that's really important that when you have a student and you're looking at, you know, where students need support. Um, and you, you know, a student might come in and have 10 years of formal schooling, 
right? Might have five years of formal schooling, mm-hmm. might have one year of formal schooling. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in that regard, you know, you have to assess not only the language acquisition and the ability to communicate and feel at home, but also like, all right, now what are the other supports, mm-hmm. you know, and, and where do we help a, a, a student best succeed as they're moving forward? Mm-hmm. So Melissa, I want you to jump in here. Uh, um, I know you're, you're dying to, and not just listen to us chit chat here, but I just want to mm-hmm. say one thing to Chris's point before I pass it back to you, Melissa is, um, one of the things that we try to be very careful about, and I know it is very easy to forget or miss is that, as Chris just kind of referenced, and I know that you also referenced there, Monica, is that youngsters who come to us from beyond our local community come with a variety of different learning experiences and exposure points. And we often lose sight of the fact that even students who come from other states um, mm-hmm. come with a much different learning experience or exposure than we have. You know, while we as a district and even the state of New Jersey have areas that we can continue to grow, right? To, to think otherwise would be silly. There's always room for improvement. New Jersey and our local area, including our school district, do regularly perform at the highest level nationally. Um, And so when you compare that internationally, that does put the learning trajectory and exposure that students around here typically get at a different place than others, even within our own country Mm -hmm. and within like the you know, New England area, the East Coast. So we do, we engage in this process regularly. And so to assume just because someone comes to our school district without a firm understanding or fluency of the English language certainly does not imply or indicate that they are not exceptionally educated at a high level, that they don't know um, certain material. They just don't happen to speak our language. And so at the dis- the distinction that most of us can probably associate with is we all probably took a world language class at some point to some degree in our schooling, and everyone was kind of reluctant to speak, mm-hmm. but we all kind of giggled together because we were all reluctant to speak because we were. Unf- Imagine being the only person there that doesn't know what anybody's mm-hmm. saying, <laughs> right? So you talk about the silent period. So Melissa, to your, I know you don't always have someone like Monica with you, um, and as someone who isn't. Um, familiar with those languages how do you what sort of steps do you take to make sure that you also provide those same supports for the students that are not familiar with english but those who are how do they how do you structure your classroom so that everyone feels valued i know that's something that's really important to you and you do an exceptional job of that so let's talk about what that looks like okay yeah um so i have um several students this year who don't speak English. Um, i'm very fortunate that i'm becoming fluent in spanish so i can communicate slightly um, however, I have student have had students in the past who don't speak Spanish or English, a different language, and then right. I am at ground zero. Like I just have to start over. Um, so I I find that it's I agree with everything that everyone's been saying too. Like we don't know the background they're coming from. I had a student one year come and she couldn't read English. Uh, it, sorry, couldn't read Spanish, and she didn't know how to use a computer. Mm. So we couldn't even use Translate right away because she didn't understand how to operate the computer. She never had the chance to do so. Mm. Um, so I find it very important to just have a conversation with them the best that I can. Um, when we first start out in my class, we do geography, which is really nice because a lot of them are able to participate even though the language is different. Um, I have them, I give them a world map and I say, fill out what you can in your language or English, like just show me what you know. Um, and that's usually where I start is show me what you know. So I get to see their background knowledge and then I can work from there. Um, and I'm very fortunate that my, my classes, my students, especially this year have been extremely supportive Mm -hmm. of all of my MLLs and they have befriended them. They are using Google translate. They are not shy at all. Um, and they just, 
I noticed that they're starting to understand um, that when you're speaking to someone who doesn't know the language, you have to slow down. Mm-hmm. Speaking louder doesn't help. Mm. You just have to just slow down. Ask you, if you speak louder, yeah. Yeah. right? They obviously know, right? right. Yeah, because that's what they all think. And yeah. I'm like, no, not louder, just slower. Yeah. And I do the same thing when I talk to my students who speak Spanish. They start rambling back to me so fast, and I look at them and I'm like, can you please slow down? Like I'm still learning, just like you. Do you know, I'm actually learning that myself. Yeah, because I speak very fast, yes. and my husband's like, you speak too fast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So even in class, I'm, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm doing it too. And yeah. even simple. I mean, so to a certain certain point um if you have a, a child in our school district at some point you interacted with a youngster maybe a baby like how do even babies learn introductory language yeah. now we do know there's a lot of brains research about right. when in human psychology human it's brain development a critical period right? okay mm-hmm. you're, you're able to learn language so we do know that sometimes students come past that mm-hmm. that's that point Seven. but what do you use you use gestures mm-hmm. you use pictures. Lots of you, pictures you know Lots pictures of are pictures. kind of like a Universal. international universal kind of language yeah. um and so you simple gestures things like that um instead of getting into complicated sentences we use short commands things like that so those strategies are, really work well but i i want to applaud you for what you kind of said you, you're taking the steps to make yourself more accessible to your kids by taking them as, as an adult and as an ed- educator to learn spanish and i will say you guys have all heard me say this. We kind of talked about it during the pregame here. Um, mm. One of my great life regrets is that I I never took the time to become fluent in a second language. It's never too late, Chuck. I know, I know. You say that to me every time I say what I said. Um, so but anyway, so I really do applaud your efforts to go above and beyond to really you know equip yourself with the skills to support your kids. Thank you. So um, I think it's a, it's a really good segue here, f- um, you know, for both uh, Miss Davenport as 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 well as you know over here with Chuck about um, talking a little bit. I know I went last name first time. I don't know why I did that. So um, what the district is really doing, we're talking about the fact that we, we need to support large groupings, grouping of students, that the work we've done for PSYOP training within the district. And then we, I know I think, and I think it's a really good segue into the type of supports that, you know, we can provide and where we still have, you know, areas that we're trying to work through. Well, and so, yeah, I'm going to jump in because you won't say it, but so I will. So you mentioned PSYOP, so let me just clarify what that is for everybody. Uh, PSYOP stands for Sheltered Instruction Observation Protocol. Um, and while that is a mouthful, I'll tell you very mm-hmm. simply what that is. It's a support system that the school district implements training on. So it's not our own idea. It's um, it's a it's a recognized strategy for supporting language learners. Um, and the district has a partner. She's amazing. Her name is Noreen Drucker. She's going to join us for a future episode. I'll say part two of mm-hmm. our conversation about supporting multilingual learners. Yes. But what she has done over the last seven years since I've been here is partner with teachers with a series of trainings so that they are equipped with the skills and strategies to modify their instruction, their classroom, and their experience so that youngsters who may not be fluent in English can access learning and be um, feel valued in that classroom. Someone like Miss Davenport, who mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a trained um, ESL teacher or someone who comes equipped bilingually, even though she's working on it. Um, so I do think that is important because as a district, we have made a commitment to that training so that all teachers and all classrooms have the potential to help support students. Um, we're not at hundred percent. We're on mm. our journey there, but um, that is She's a slow amazing. process. She is. I agree. I agree. Um, but one of the things I want to highlight is Ms. Davenport mentioned students being willing to use Google translate to reach out. So students yep. don't feel that they are not a part of the classroom. They really help extend themselves to feel welcome. And I love that that sort of thing comes from students. Mm-hmm. I think it says a lot about our community, it says a lot about um, mm-hmm. how our houses operate, right? And I give credit there, right? 
Too often, I don't think parents get the credit they deserve for being partners in education with school districts, mm-hmm. not just here, but everywhere. Um, that is cult- that is part of the, the, the home, the upbringing, right? How parents are raising children to be accepting and support those around them, which is really great to hear. But at Lincoln Roosevelt, you guys took a step that was kind of um, unique to your school, but really started kind of a movement here in the district. Um, we had some handheld translators that we were using for meetings um, to really expedite that communication loop um, when we were meeting with parents uh, or others who may not be fluent in English. But let's talk a little bit about what you guys are doing at Lincoln Roosevelt, um, equipping students with those tools. So let's talk about that. Sure, no problem. So I, this came uh, this came across the board um, from one of our teachers. This came from Ms. Smith, who's a fifth grade teacher. Um, so she came up to me and was talking a little bit about using the, the translate, translators for her students to be able to kind of speak back and forth. And it kind of kicked off the idea of trying to flipping what we think the translators are for, right? So when we originally buy translators, we think about them as like, okay, will you speak, you know, uh, you speak Ukrainian, you speak Spanish, you speak Portuguese, I only speak English, we're going to go back and forth, right? And that allows us to accomplish a goal. But in reality, you know, students who are in periods where they are acquiring quite a bit of language, but are frightened and, and don't and don't want to take those risks. And I think this is really simple. And I think it's it's easy to think about it this way, right? You know, when you're in a constant state of terror, like if your body, you know, is reacting, you know, and where they're overwhelmed, it's like, you know, you're, you're getting chased by a bear. You're not going to take an intellectual risk. And they've gone R- through trauma. Right. And they've gone through trauma and all this kind of, of stuff. What you want to do is you want to create a situation where you're building relationships. And, I, and that's where this change in having the translator there, just like a Google Translate, um, the ability to build relationships between the nat- native English speakers and the language learners so that students who are trying to acquire language and speak feel much more comfortable and are developing better relationships to be able to take those intellectual risks. Because it's insane in some ways to ask a student, hey, you don't know this person, this person stares at you, you've never spoken to them. Now here's a really good time for you to take an intellectual risk with them and possibly embarrass yourself Mm -hmm. in front of them. Mm -hmm. Like very few of us would do that. So, you know, a lot of this is about relationship building. Can I just say too, I think that the the translators, um, one thing I've noticed that's much better about them with Google Translate the students have to type. I mean, they can speak into it, but the microphone is not great mm-hmm. on the Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, too, when they're typing, my friends who are not so great with spelling in English or other languages, it doesn't translate correctly. It's much slower. Mm-hmm. But the handheld one, they can have a conversation in real time, which is huge. And so I'm going to I'll drop a link on our webpage page um, below. Um, where this is posted so that um, not a specific endorsement of any tool over any other, except we have found that uh, Pocket Talk is, that's the translator we use. The really nice part about it is it's very easy to flip back and forth between the two languages. Not only does it take the spoken word of the speaker, sounds a little bit redundant there, so mm-hmm. I could should have been able to put that together <laughs> better. Um, it takes that spoken word. Um, not only does it translate it, but it also puts that spoken word in writing and translates the writing, the written part also. So as the recipient in that conversation, not only can you hear it from the computer actuated voice, but you can also see that translation in writing. And listen, helps me nothing's perfect, mm-hmm. right? It's not perfect, mm-hmm. but it's pretty darn close. Yeah. And it's a yeah. very powerful tool. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner all the way. Me too. So learning the language is very hard when I just hear it. If it's written in front of me and I'm hearing it, I get it no problem. Mm-hmm. So and I find that for some people that is yeah. very beneficial. 
and yep. that's what and that's what they do. They yeah. it, it, like when you the pocket talk will show you also the written portions of that language when you see it. Yeah, Google it Translate has a conversation mode too, right. which is awesome. I use that yeah. sometimes as well. It's just the same idea. Yes. Yep. So there's there's plenty of tools out there, and one of the other tools that you guys have implemented, which again I think is important. And, you know, Monica wrote it on the board so that we make sure we emphasize it because it's really a, a great point is you guys buddy students up, which mm -hmm. is certainly not the newest idea on the planet to buddy students. But mm -hmm. the way you guys do it to really um, instigate this feeling of welcomeness mm -hmm. right out of the gate for um, for new students is really something special. Um, so let's talk about that a little bit before we kind of move towards the end here. OK, so let me talk about when a student first comes in and then we'll I'll I'll then the, the real work happens after that. So, um, so we, we, at least at Lincoln Roosevelt, we treat, we try to make sure that we have students who are, um, who are multi-language learners themselves, um, who are, are, you know, if we can, who are fluent in the, in the language. And what we do is we actually take the family and not just the student, um, on a tour when they come in. And the, the, purpose of that is that, uh, you know, a parent who's coming in knows that we care about them and that this is a shared space for them as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and that also it gives them an opportunity to ask questions that they're not just leaving their, you know, child off and just mm -hmm. hoping, mm -hmm. right. That they can ask those questions mm -hmm. and that we can have a student who is in a program, um, to be able to kind of help a student who's walking into the doors a lot of them the first time, not everybody, but a lot of them the first time to be able to get them a little bit more comfortable about what their days is, day is going to be like, and they have their first familiar face, you know, in the building. And then after that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. And I've, I've had feedback from my yeah. students say that their first day of school was first few days of school, actually, were such a help because that one face was there guiding them. And, and this is your next class and just giving, providing that information that they're just, they're shocked. They, you know, they don't know right. anything. So it's great. I really thank you for spearheading that. It's, Awesome. I so agree. when a when a when a new student comes in, um, and then this is a good way to translate into like like WIDA scores and things like that too, which I think is something important. Um, is when when a new student comes in, we you know there's dialogue definitely between uh, myself and Monica, but also like who's in the classes that we're going to put a student in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very important that if we can, you know, there's other uh, students in that in that class that that speak. Um, that language, um, you know, which is easier when we do it in Spanish, when we, <laughs> we do it in Ukrainian, it, that was, that, that, that was took a challenge. couple of days, but we found it <laughs> and it worked right yeah. in some ways. And, you know, the idea here is like, can a student feel comfortable and confident to take risks, to be able to move forward and to do that, you know, is to give them at least a small group and then of students they can feel comfortable with and then start to push out that group and make it larger and larger and larger. And also for the parents when they come yes. and I'm able to be here, right? We'll yes. ask, we'll work with the other school to see if I can get here. And um, they have an opportunity to ask me, like you said, questions of stuff that they don't even think of, but they feel so much more comfortable because I speak the language if they're a Spanish speaking family that is. Right. Yeah, that was really helpful. And and the nice part about both of those is as a school community, you have worked very hard to empower students to be the leaders mm -hmm. of right. creating this um, this very positive school culture and environment, it's e it should be easy for the adults. I was gonna say it's easy for the adults. It isn't. Mm -hmm. It takes work and effort. Um, it should be, but really taking the time to make sure that the students are helping to lead that initiative, I really think is commendable. So I have a student who I just want to give a little small testimony. She, I told you already, Chris. She came to me um, that morning and had when I had her in class that afternoon. She said, "I'm so stressed out. I missed math, and now I'm gonna have a lot of homework." But it was so worth it, Misty, because I was there for that student. And I know that what I did was way more important than my math class. Oh. And I was like, That's oh, everything. my gosh, <laughs> that is everything. So it was 
just the impact that it's making for the families, for the parents, and for the student that's helping. It's yeah. and, and really, you know, this tra certainly transcends this singular topic, but what you're working to do is establish this culture of allyship mm -hmm. um, where every not every youngster deserves to have someone they can rely on and count mm -hmm. on, a, a smiling, a friendly face. Mm -hmm. But you're taking steps to make sure they have that in place. And mm -hmm. I think that's really important because um, there's... There are, you know, bad things that happen in life, but one of the things that I would put at the top of the list is that feeling of loneliness, mm -hmm. that feeling of isolation. Um, and not knowing how to communicate with mm -hmm. anyone is probably one of the leading factors mm -hmm. that would cause someone to feel that isolation. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, the steps you guys are taking as a school to really make that a positive experience is great. Mm -hmm. Now, there are, you know, Chris referenced WIDA scores, and there are right. some instructional things, and we can get into that in subsequent episodes. But the school district gets all sorts of data um, when we evaluate youngsters about their learn uh, their language fluency that we can use to provide the teachers in the school with information about what the students can do. I emphasize that phrase because that's what WIDA actually provides us, what are called can-do right. descriptors. It gives us the levels. Um, there are four domains associated with language, uh, reading, writing, speaking, and listening, and we get information um, about students, about where they are and where they're going on their language acquisition journey. Mm -hmm. um, so we can talk a little bit more about the nuts and bolts of that so that we can bring this thing in for a close um, Yeah, soon. I just... I'm but, just really glad you did that because I think in, in some ways we, we want to make sure, and a lot of people are going to be listening to this, are obviously not, you know, language learners. Yeah. So, you know, the idea here is that when a student comes in, we, we, we do test them, we test them constantly so that we can make sure the appropriate right. scaffolds are in place, the appropriate challenges are in place so that, that student makes progress towards acquiring language. Yeah, I like it. So, okay, uh, a couple of things before we get out of here. Let's talk a little bit about um, where I, the way we've ended the last couple of episodes, which isn't really a shameless plug, but if you're like, I'm wondering how they ended the last couple of episodes, then, <laughs> you know, you can go back <laughs> yep. and listen. I know um, I am. Which is some tips, right? So if I'm a parent listening here and my son or daughter, my child is coming home from school saying, you know, that there's a youngster in class, they want to befriend them, they don't know how to talk to them, they don't know how to communicate or something, some version of that. What are some things you can do? I mean, certainly what Ms. Davenport has suggested, which is learn the language, right? Do some, maybe that's a great family activity, right? We do a lot of family things in isolation, um, maybe t Duolingo or something like that. There are applications that are really easy technology access to language learning. And maybe that is how I will overcome one of my great life regrets. <laughs> um, but so that is one of the strategies. Are there others out there? Are there other pointers that we can give um, students and families and community members about how to feel more confident and comfortable, not only interacting with those who may not speak the same language as us, but helping those people feel welcome as a part of our community? Well, we have classes at the Roxbury Library for ESL families, which is amazing. Edna is running an incredible show over there. So they can go there uh, twice a week, I believe it is. And they just sign up and they go there and learn. The kids are going to actually have a student who's going with his mom after school for those two sessions to go and learn even more English. Oh, that's awesome. Fantastic. Which is awesome. Yeah. But I think I want to just say, so I come from, you know, my family's from Cuba. So my husband's also a Cuban. And when he came, his biggest thing was when, you know, when I became an ESL teacher, he's like, you just got to tell them to go home and watch American TV, <laughs> American music, everything they do. Just talk, read American books, just whatever you can do. Immerse yourself in the language as much as possible. Not to say, again, we don't want ever to lose what we have in that first right. language. But that L2 is so critical that you, instead of going home and putting on a show in your language, put it on in English. So you could start listening in the background, all these different new words and totally encourage the families to do that too. or even subtitling or right. subtitling mm -hmm. captions are like yep. the best absolutely yeah definitely yeah I find that um 
the biggest thing that's helpful for my students, and I'm trying to make sure that all of my students understand this when um, communicating with my MLLs, is that it's about, there's a lot of, like you said, gestures, there's visuals, right? I mean, smiles are universal, right? So like there's certain things they can do to make you feel welcome without mm -hmm. having to say a single word. So, okay, good. I want to come back to like, you know, you're, you're there and you want to kind of, um, you know, do something as a family. And I think that I think what what uh, Chuck brought up a little bit earlier, and we, we do this in our house, like, you know, you have time where you like everybody reads together, you read together. And, you know, some of that is about building literacy. But a lot of it is just about, you know, having that time with your kids and, and with each other to be able to talk about something together. Mm -hmm. You know, we have like, everybody like the my, myself and, and my kids, we do Duolingo um, together. And it really, it's, you know, it's something that isn't necessarily specifically to become fluent in another language, they're not going to through Duolingo. Mm -hmm. uh, but what they, you know, but it gives us something we do together. And it, it also, in a lot of ways, teaches them the appreciation of the fact that, you know, there's different languages and that different people use different languages and that languages themselves, you know, uh, shape how people think, yes. how people interact with the world. They unlock a lot too. Right, and I think that's really important here, right? Like, so, you know, languages are, are the keys to kind of open up the doors you know, to different places. And, you know, you can allow yourself to have those doors shut, but you never really get an understanding of like what's behind those doors. And in a lot of cases, you know, you miss out yourself too. So, mm -hmm. so language acquisition is, is not just something about people who are coming here, but also about us to be able to enrich our own lives. Mm, Duolingo is great Absolutely. for conversational, Absolutely. right? It, it, is good for, it is good for conversational. So it's, it's yeah. really good for simple phrases and things that you can just use. Yeah. And especially if you're not, if someone who speaks more than one language, maybe you can encourage your child to learn one or two phrases in the language that the other student speaks and show that they're not afraid to speak that language, so right? I have a student, I have students that actually learn, I, I make sure I make it a point if we learn a new word and, and I ask the other student, well, what's that word in your language? And they say it, it's like, okay, now everybody let's say right. it together. So they kind of take the pressure off. Yes, yeah, and they absolutely. love it. They learn, uh -huh. once you learn one and two languages, you can learn three, four, five, oh, six, seven. Yep. And, and I think, you know, to the point you just made there, Melissa, is... That acknowledgement and acceptance that learning language is challenging and it takes, you know, concerted effort. There are things you can do to make that fun and engaging is not passing judgment on someone who may not be familiar with English. It is I, I highly doubt certainly nothing is guaranteed in life, but I highly doubt that is an intentional attempt to not become integrated into American culture. Right. Um, this might be a family who is new to us. It might be a family who is learning. And if you're uncertain what that experience is like to not be familiar with the language, I would encourage you to change the language on your television to anything other than a language you know and try to follow along with that show mm -hmm. or that game. Um, and, you know, to not to be cautious. Be, right? I, I don't know. I, I used this quote last time, but Ted Lasso is like, you know, the greatest show on TV. Maybe we can have a separate uh, podcast <laughs> about Ted Lasso. Um, but you know, be curious before being judgmental. You know, ju just assuming someone's like, well, they should speak English. Uh, yes, that's a process, and it's a really complicated and hard yes. one because the English language is super intricate, yes. super challenging. Yeah. And so, demonstrating some patience and understanding, I think, also goes a long way, right? right. Yeah. And I, you know, to piggyback off that, I think because I think for for people who are there, and, I, and I think you know, intuitively, we know this. A lot of us have, have streaming services now. Um, there are a lot of different TV shows, movies that are in, you know, made in, made in another country. You know, if you're trying to acquire a language, you can watch the movie in the other, you mm -hmm. know, in the other language mm -hmm. and have the subtitles, mm -hmm. right? They're there, they're in their English subtitles for all those different types of things. And, and it allows you the opportunity to kind of one, 
see what it sounds like and the actors doing it the way that they expect to do it, the way the directors want them to do it. It's a very different experience. But also, like, you can start to get used to the cadence of a language and things like that. I even just want to add, I had a mother come to me once and say, you know, it's okay if it doesn't sound good. I would prefer somebody to try and say a few broken words than not try and talk Absolutely. to me at all. And that really hit me because, I mean, I can speak her language, but you think about, let's say we go to another country, we don't know. Wouldn't you prefer somebody trying. just trying right. mm -hmm. than yeah. just stonewalling? So let's... And I think yeah. Melissa just said that before, try and learn one or two phrases, yeah. things like that, common yeah. things just to demonstrate mm -hmm. that connection, build that... Show your, build that. your effort. Yeah. Yeah. Care. So. yeah, absolutely. And I think... My class, I kind of have a little advantage because we do a geography and world cultures unit. So we get to put in, they get to talk about their background. We just talked about um, immigration. Yeah. Um, we're about to talk about where their ancestors are from. And that I specifically like because then my MLLC that they're not the only ones, that almost everyone in my class has only maybe one generation back that came from another country. Mm. And it really helps them make that connection. It's mm. great. Okay. All right. So I really do appreciate you guys being here. The things you're doing at Lincoln Roosevelt are incredible. And I think we're doing great things across the district, but I do think that you guys are kind of leading the way in some of these student-centered um, efforts to help um, cultivate that, that community of learners where everyone is really seen and valued. And so um, stay tuned for a future episode. We'll have Noreen Drucker join us. So you can hear a little bit from her about what she's doing uh, instructionally to support teachers uh, so that our classrooms can really be uh, something that all students can access uh, productively and purposefully. Thank you all, and uh, thanks for listening.